This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Ah, the world is getting more normal by the day. Now that the holidays have gone away... We can go back to a semblance of normalcy and start to catch up on all the questions and, this week, comments that have come through to us through TalkingRealMoney.com. We've got quite a few of them. I'm I'm a bit behind. Okay, I'm a lot bit behind. I didn't do two Friday Q&As over the holidays because I was away. Or I was very ill. I had the, the flu. So... Thanks for tuning in to the podcast, and uh, we're going to have a bunch of great questions, a couple of really interesting comments for you coming up in this edition of the podcast. And again, all of them came in through TalkingRealMoney.com, and you spoke them, which is very nice because, you know, people have mics with their computers now. There are lots of those. And you can also call us at 855-935-TALK. So call 855-935-8255 or Ask your questions at TalkingRealMoney.com. I'm Don McDonald, and let's get started. Hi, Don and Tom. I have no debt, and I'm currently maxing out my allowable HSA, Roth IRA, and Roth 401ks annually. I recently bought a small home in an inexpensive part of the country, and my mortgage is at 6 and 3.8%. I'm torn between putting extra cash into a taxable brokerage account while equities are on sale and getting in a guaranteed 6 and 3.8% return on my mortgage. Obviously, no one can know what the future of the market will bring, but whatever that is would have to be discounted by my marginal tax rate. As comforting as a paid-off home is, I can't eat my house either. So what are your thoughts? My thoughts are more along the you-can't-eat-your-house-either side of things. Houses are very illiquid, uh, although a 6 and 3 eighths absolutely guaranteed rate of return is attractive. However... My guess is that you're not going to make much of a dent in that house. So you're not going to feel the return in terms of wealth for a very, very long time. And that's also a big difference. I tend to lean more toward the investing. I think, one, it feels better. Two, if you're investing in index ETFs outside of an IRA, then you don't have to worry as much about your marginal tax rate because most of your returns are going to be deferred gains because you don't you don't get realized capital gains out of growth-oriented ETFs. You'll get some dividends, but the dividend should be more in the realm of 1% or 2%. That's the only amount you're going to be taxed on. Uh, but the other thing it does is it starts to build a separate nest egg aside from the house or it builds a bigger nest egg aside from the house. And the third thing is... Uh, a six and three eighths mortgage, historically still long term history, is a relatively high rate. Maybe someday you can refinance it at a lower rate. The other possibility is, well, you're probably not going to stay in this house for the rest of your life, so you'll pay it off. I again, I'm leaning toward investing. 
if you wanted to pay it off, I, I, it wouldn't be as big a deal as it would have been paying off a two and three eighths mortgage or a three and three eighths mortgage. But uh, I really would lean toward the investing primarily for the liquidity. But because I also think you should, at least based on history, you would have made more money. Thanks so much for the question. I really appreciate it. Send yours in at TalkingRealMoney.com. They always sound best there anyway, like this one. Hi, Don. This is Brian. I just wanted to get in touch and say thank you. As the year wraps up, earlier this year, you, uh, on one of these Friday Q&As, helped me to fine-tune a portfolio for a friend of mine who was just getting started and, uh, well, just to get it out the way, the portfolio was 80% VT, 10% AVUV, and uh, 10% AVDV. That was what you had helped fine-tune here on the podcast. And just sharing those, that being able to send that link to a friend and hear him, you know, or he- have him hear you, I should say, uh, validate some of the ideas I had already told him, but coming from a, a pro, like a real radio personality and someone who's been in finance for many decades say, yeah, that's a good idea and you should do this instead, you know, because I think you helped me to fine tune it. Uh, that gave him confidence to go ahead and start. And that meant a lot to him and to me. So I wanted to say thank you for that. Also on last, uh, one of the episodes recent, you had mentioned some Christmas movies and on a lighthearted note, what do you recommend? I, I know I love Scrooge. I just found that from 1971. I never really looked at those classics. You know, I'd only looked at like Die Hard and Home Alone, which I know that uh, is arguably Christmas movie material. But uh, what do you recommend? Seems like you have a good, a good sense for a classic Christmas movie. Not even sure you'll get this before the holidays, or if you're doing an episode this Friday, if you're having it off. But hey, thank you first of all for that, and uh, thanks for any Christmas movie Rex. Have a great day. Well, it's truly our pleasure to help people get this right because that's been the goal of this show and the goal of what I've been doing for a real long time, particularly my work on the radio and podcasting. Uh, so I'm glad we could be of service to you and your friend. Now, this will show you how far behind I am. You see, we, we get cr- questions about Christmas movies. <clears throat> you know, question about Christmas movies. Yeah, well, I didn't do a lot of a lot of Q and A during the holidays, so this is for next year. Well, you can still, if you want to enjoy a nice holiday movie this year, but they're better around the holidays. Um, let's see. I Scrooge was a great movie, the one with Bill Murray, I assume. Apparently, you haven't seen a Christmas story yet either, like my wife hadn't. Uh, that is absolutely one of the penultimate classics. You got to watch that. You'll, you'll shoot your eye out. Uh, and who doesn't need a leg lamp? National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Absolute wonderful classic. Got to watch that classic. For me, it's not that old. When you said Scrooge is a classic, I'm I'm thinking, you know, like Christmas Carol from the 20s or 30s. That's a classic. Uh, oh, It's a Wonderful Life. Classic, classic, real classic from the 30s. Let's see. Oh, is there anything else I'm missing that's absolutely? Oh, 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 oh. Now, here are movies from my childhood. They were actually 
TV shows in the 60s, but both were absolutely marvelous, actually three. And if you have kids, you can, you know, this will be an excuse for you to watch with them, but you're going to enjoy them. Uh, the three are, well, of course, uh, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, which my grandson loves, and it, I loved it when I was a kid. Uh, the original Grinch, which was only a 30-minute long TV show that is the actual Dr. Seuss book narrated by Boris Karloff, who had a terrific voice. And finally, if you can find it, and I don't know where it is streaming, but I did watch it several years ago again. I loved it as a kid. Loved it as a kid. You think that you're going to think this is dumb. Uh, and it's, uh, it's Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, where Mr. Magoo, the cartoon character, plays Ebenezer Scrooge. Gotta watch it. You just have to see it. It's a great show. All right, there we go. Those are my Christmas picks for uh, 2023, for a year from now. And let's take another listener question or comment from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, guys. Notice I did not say your names because I don't want you to think I favor one of you over the other. My name is Happy. I'm from Chicago. Uh, as many people are doing this time of year, I'm doing my annual charitable donations. Your good friend Paul Merriman has his education foundation that we can donate to to thank him for all the work he does. I'd like to do something similar for you guys. So I'm wondering if you could tell me and all of your listeners who would like to thank you for the work you do. If there's a charity that's near and dear to your heart that we could donate to. Thank you so much. And thank you really for everything you do. Oh, Happy, that's so sweet. Thank you for listening. And, of course, we won't tell Tom, but we know you like me best. It's okay. He's not going to listen anyway. Nobody else will tell him. Charities. Mm, 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 mm. You know, it's funny. Uh, Tom and I have actually talked about someday setting one up for the same thing Paul does, which is financial education, or in the future, working with Paul's Educational Foundation, because it does do good work. He does do some very good work. And I haven't found any other financial education groups that I think are, are worthy. They all tend to focus more on the game of gambling or speculating rather than the realities of building wealth or investing. So for now... I'm just gonna have to. Um, I'm just gonna have to say, Paul. I I, I just can't think of, and because I want to keep it financial, because of course there are other charities I like, but I don't think it's fair that you give money to my charities if they're not doing something that's in the good of the show and and what we mean the show to do. I mean, I kind of it feels like a cop out, but uh, I've looked at so many 501c3s in the financial industry, and they're all pretty awful, in my opinion. For the mo well, I, can't, I couldn't recommend a single one. But thank you so much for the kind thoughts and for the things you're going to do for others. Take care, Happy. Thank you. Moving on. I think we've got a question coming up next. Hey, guys. This is Jennifer calling from Texas. I'm going to bring up a bad word here, so I apologize. Brace yourself. Are you ready? Might have to beat this out, Don. Okay, Jennifer, I, I'm I'm ready, and 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 it's okay. We don't have to bleep it out because this is a podcast, not broadcast. So, 
you go right ahead and say that bad word. Crypto! Mm. Oh, oh, oh. Ooh, okay. Wow. That hurt. Are we all okay? okay? Moving on. All right. Now into the question. Let me first say, before I get started, I personally think crypto is basically a Ponzi scheme. Am I the only one? Mm, no, you're, you're not the only one. You're both funny and wise. So, on to the question. I've been seeing a lot of ads lately for Fidelity Crypto. I have no idea when they're starting this, but from what I can find, they plan to stick with Bitcoin and Ethereum. Apparently, that makes it better. Given the recent collapse of FTX and other cryptocurrency problems, how do you think this is going to play out? I have accounts at Fidelity, and I'm starting to wonder if that money will remain safe. Or could crypto possibly bring down Fidelity? It looks like Vanguard and Schwab are not planning to follow, but who knows what the future might hold. Would you feel comfortable keeping your money at Fidelity if they launch into crypto? There's a lot of great things about Fidelity. I've been very happy with them until now and just getting concerned. Um, Their website and app are fantastic. They allow you to buy ETFs based on dollar amount, not just shares. Lots of low cost options. Um, Been very happy. Thanks so much for all you guys do. Really appreciate it. Thanks for all you do to help educate us on investing. So sorry for the bad language. Thanks so much. That was a great call. <laughs> Jennifer, you're funny. Uh, and uh, hey, come on. We've used the we've used the word cheesecake on this on this podcast, you know, so we're pretty risque here. We've even used the word annuity. Yeah. Come on. Who 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 in podcasting has gone that far? Uh <laughs> You're worried about Fidelity? I don't think you need to be worried about Fidelity. Fidelity has always been a company that tends, yeah, no. I mean, they they have tended to pander a little bit and, and go with the latest passing fancies. And that's just what this crypto thing is. You notice they're still teasing it. They've been teasing it for a while. I think with all of the FTX and the Genesis and the Geminis and the whatever else is out there, problems, I think they may, and this is just conjecture, but I think they may be rethinking this because, as you said so succinctly, Bitcoin is probably a Ponzi scheme. (laughs) It is. Speaking of Ponzi schemes, you don't want to miss the the next podcast, which will be tomorrow's radio show, because we're going to talk a little bit more about Madoff. But uh, I wouldn't worry about Fidelity. Fidelity manages somewhere between four and five trillion dollars, and the entire market capitalization of all cryptos, I believe these days is under a trillion dollars. So even if every crypto, crypto, <laughs> that's that's a Freudian slip toe. Uh, even if every one of them tripped up, uh, they, then they wouldn't affect fidelity all that much, even though bear in mind the four to five trillion, those are customers assets, not fidelities. But so would the, so would the trip coin be, I'm going to use trip coin now. Uh, don't worry about Fidelity. You can still work with Fidelity. All will be fine. They have buckets of insurance. They're very well capitalized. Uh, this is just a 
passing fancy, in my humble opinion. And I haven't seen a darn thing to change my opinion of crypto in as many years as I've been listening to and talking about all the other opinions out there about it. Nothing has changed my mind. And and I, I guess it would take somebody actually using it for something to change my mind. Anybody? Anybody? Come on, raise your hand. Anybody been using crypto? Have you have you paid a utility bill with crypto? You bought groceries with crypto? Paid your taxes with crypto? Bought a hot dog with crypto? Anybody? Moving along. Gentlemen, my question is about CDs. Could you please confirm if I am reading this correctly? This example is for PNC Bank, but the same applies also to other banks. On the PNC website, a six-month CD shows a yield of 0.02%. If I go to Schwab, they show an offering from PNC for a six-month CD of, I believe, 4.5%. On a 10K CD, that would be a difference of $2 from PNC Bank versus $450 from Schwab annually. Quite a difference. Am I missing something? Shh! The banks don't want everybody to know this. They're playing a game. You see, they figure their customers at the bank, and PNC is not the only one. They figure their customers at the bank are a captive audience. Therefore, they'll accept a lousy little, and I looked it up, two one-hundredths to three one-hundredths of one percent for a six-month CD. (laughs) That's just robbery. It's just... It's okay. It's legal robbery. We shouldn't say robbery. Robbery is a crime. This is legal, but it certainly is taking advantage of their customers for a huge profit margin. Because the brokered CDs are no different in terms of their safety or liquidity than are the ones you get as a bank customer. However, as a bank customer you get shafted, just like you do with your savings account at the bank. Savings accounts at banks are, again, legal scams. You can get a high-yield savings vehicle pretty easily these days, paying about 3% daily liquidity. My Bank of America account pays point. Zero one percent still. It's paid that throughout. And what is that? Uh, why do they pay so little? Because nobody leaves. They're not voting with their wallets. Vote with your wallet. Go get a high yield savings. Go buy a brokered CD. Don't get them at your bank. They're just taking advantage of you and your and our tendency to not want to act, just to to take the path of least resistance. Good question, though. 
Remember, our number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And I want you to know that on Saturdays, Tom and I are here to take your live questions. We get together and we do a show on the radio in Seattle on News Radio 1000 FM 97.7. And we uh, then turn that into a podcast the next week. But you can call us live on Saturdays. It's really, really easy at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. And the hours you can call live every Saturday and call us live between 3 and 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific. Now we're going to take another call that came in through TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form where you can record your questions like this one. Morning, Tom and Don. This is Michael from Central Florida. Let me start the conversation by saying I have been wrong in the past. I'm 69, have $300,000 in IRAs for retirement. I have it in a 60-40 mixture of stocks to bonds, and I have a surplus of money coming in from Social Security and my pension to cover my monthly expenses. Not needing this money for 10 years, hopefully, or plus that, I Figured I could weather 60-40 and the market would recover if it did go down, which it has. But I heard on a recent podcast that you two have said it might be better to put this money in a more uh, bond-like fund to preserve its Uh, money from going down. So I'd like to get your opinion on whether that would be a smart move. And if it was the move that you suggest, should I wait for the market to recover somewhat before I would make that move? I appreciate your show and I look forward to your answer. Well, Michael from Central Florida, I'm recording this answer to your question from Central Florida, where I also live. Um, I don't know what you heard, but I think you may have misheard. And, and that that can happen because we say so much. It's easy to kind of mishear it or we may have misspoken. I'm not sure. But right now, I think you're doing it the right way. A nice 60-40 portfolio for money that you don't need and for which you're comfortable remaining invested no matter what the market does because apparently... You have done that, given this market. So, no, I don't think you need any more income than you have. Unless you think you want more safety. If you want more stability, then bond funds will probably in the future provide a lot more of that than they have over this past year. Because that's been an aberration. But, um, no, we haven't been encouraging people to increase their bond holdings unless, of course, They want less risk or just don't need to take more risk. But if you want to build your wealth up, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks so much for all of your questions and comments and the like. Uh, It's been enjoyable. (laughs) I've had a a very good time today. Still not back up to 100% because whatever this bug is, it lingers. It just lingers. Talked to so many people who said the same thing. Holiday bug lingers. 
Uh, thanks for being there. Again, join us every day almost. Now that we're back to normal, five days a week for podcasts here at TalkingRealMoney.com or on your favorite podcast service. And if you need more personal help, you want the help of an advisor, we'll provide that to you through the company for which we work, which is Appella Wealth. And we will provide that to you for free, truly without an obligation, and with no no pressure, no pressure whatsoever. We don't do that. We don't believe in that. We believe in helping people, and it's worked, you know? We help a lot of people who don't become clients of ours, and then several become clients. Well, more than several, a lot become clients because, well, we're trying to treat everybody right, which is unique in this industry. I mean, just watch the Bernie Madoff thing on Netflix if you want to see what the industry is really like in extremis. Um, in fact, that's something we're going to talk about tomorrow on the show or next week on the podcast. If you love what you hear, let us know by leaving a review at Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify and tell all your friends, your neighbors, your family, if you're speaking to them again after the holidays uh, or whomever, and uh, take good care of yourselves. I'm Don McDonald. Hanging out, talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time. So please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. Are we done now?